are on the line. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn on ESPN 1067 or online on FoxSports983.com and ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw. Join the show by calling in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7000. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Dawn, ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Happy Friday, everybody. Friday edition of On the Line. That means Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com with us for the full two hours of the show today. Christian, how you doing today, my man? I'm doing good. Really happy for another game day this weekend. That's right. And what was your impressions of game one? We don't have to dig too too much into it, but just got on the surface. It probably felt good to be back in the stadium. Yeah, it felt really good to be back in the stadium. As for Auburn, they showed a little bit more than I was personally expecting. Again, I'm not going to put too much stock into it. It's a wait and see what happens at Penn State. That's what I'm really waiting for, but it was still impressive nonetheless. Lance, how you doing today, my man? Doing fantastic, like Christian said. I'm just happy that football's back, and I feel like I open every show saying that, but I, I mean it every single time I say it. I'm just thankful that it's back in full swing. Number to call, 334-321-1390. Text line at 334-564-1840. If you got any questions for us, Christian, whatever is on your mind, hit us up. Once again, phone number to call if you want to join us live on the show, 334-321-1390. And our text line at 334-564-1840. Well, let's talk about that Akron game a little bit because it's kind of hard to preview. Alabama stayed a whole lot, just like it was kind of hard to preview the Akron game. But you wrote an article, and it's a series that you'll be doing this week and for the rest of the season. You're grading. You're putting together a report card of the team's performance. Take us through your grades for the week one matchup against Akron. Yeah, so it was a lot of high grades, as you would first <laughs> expect. The only low grade, um, and I would say not even really that low, I think it was a B-, minus. was the secondary. I was not super impressed by the secondary, which is a secondary that's supposed to be incredible. And specifically... I don't like to call people out, but Darius Knighton did not look great out there. He looked a little lost, so I want to see him really improve this game because if he continues to look bad out there, that's something that Penn State will look to expose. Speaking of Darius Knight, do you think that there is potential for a bit of a revolving door at that second safety spot next to Smoke Monday? I think so, absolutely. When you have guys like Ladarius Tennyson, you have Zion Puckett, um, Donovan Kaufman could even play safety. I know he's the nickel, but he can play safety too. When he played so. at Vanderbilt. Yes, you have a ton of different options there. So, And this coaching staff has shown a willingness that starting spots aren't always secure. So if he continues to struggle, it would be an opportunity for backups to try and see the field and get a starting spot. Of course, some guys that were hurt, they're coming back this week, or at least you expect them to factor into the mix throughout practice. And then I guess we'll find out with the way that this coaching staff handles injuries. I guess we'll find out game time if these guys are going to be playing. But guys like Jalen Simpson, Ladarius Tennyson that you mentioned, those guys get banged up a little bit in the first game against Akron. What do you know about these situations? Is it truly just game time? Yeah, so Ladarius Tennyson and Tavares Dawson should be back. I believe that was a little bit of uh, contact tracing and COVID issues there. Jalen Simpson should be ready for the game. I don't know if I really expect him to play that much just because of how much depth they have at cornerback. 
why risk it? He's a talent. Yeah, it's probably not worth it to play Alabama State. Yeah, he it was a bit of an ankle injury, so I personally wouldn't expect him to play too much. And this is a good opportunity for a guy like Drayshawn Miller to get onto the field and play since he didn't even play in the season opener. And that's what I was going to ask is, you know, obviously Auburn gearing up for Penn State next week. You really start to wonder how much is Auburn going to use their starters in this game to avoid any major injuries because you want to have everybody healthy for that matchup against Penn State. Is there somebody in particular like a Dreshawn Miller specifically in your mind that I don't necessarily I'm not necessarily saying they're going to be MVP of the game, but we're going to see a lot of compared to what we saw last week. So. I would say Dreshawn Miller on defense will be that guy for me. On offense, we saw a fair amount of him last week, but I think we're going to see even more Jarquez Hunter. I think we're going to see a ton of Jarquez, and it's going to be a lot of good stuff. I mean, he looked incredible in that season opener. Does that mean less carries throughout the rest of the season? Does that mean a diminished role, maybe what we thought was going to be in store for Sean Shivers? Could that possibly be diminished moving forward because of how Jarquez Hunter has really stormed onto the scene? Yeah, so I think Sean Shivers is still running back too, and he still will be the full season, but I definitely think Jarquez will eat into some of those RB2 carries just a little bit because he has looked so good. So yes, I would definitely think Sean might lose a couple carries. What's the purpose then for Sean Shivers only getting three touches in game number one? And I'm guessing you're expecting a similar type of result in game two against Alabama State. Do you think Do you think this coaching staff maybe is purposefully not putting some of what he can do on film? I think that could be a little bit. I I think he'll get closer to 10 carries this game than he did the first game. You know, that was a surprisingly low amount, but I think it was a situation where Tank was running really well, and they consider Sean a part of the ones. I know he's running back too, but he's one of the starters in their mind. So then once they went to the twos fully and the backups, they wanted to have just all twos, and that's kind of Jarquez Hunter. He's kind of like the backup running back, while Sean Shivers and Tank are the starters in a sense. So... I do think they could be trying to save. I mean, he's a very fast guy. They might be trying to save some of what he can do a little bit for Penn State, but also I'd expect him to get some more carries this game. Do we expect to see the same results out of the receiving core this week, or do you think we're going to see other guys get targeted a little bit? I think it'll be about the same. I mean, it was pretty pretty evenly spread, if I remember correctly. I mean, a lot of different guys got involved. Yeah, Shed led the way, which was very surprising Congratulations for me. Congratulations to you, though. You picked him in fill-in-the-blank Friday. I thought I had Demetrius Robertson. No, oh, you did. Somebody did. Some uh, one of us here picked Shed. I don't remember who it was. But it might have been a caller. Might have been a caller. Oh, darn! I gave you credit <laughs> earlier this week. My bad, man. <laughs> hey, I'll take the credit. There you go. Yeah, I picked. It's Shed, Demetrius of Robertson, the leading receiver today or tomorrow. Um, sure, I'll keep going with that pick. <laughs> I hadn't really thought about it too much, but I'll keep rolling with that pick. It's going to happen at some point, right? I think it's going to be Shed again. I thought he looked really smooth in that first game. He looked comfortable. He looked so much better than I expected. I was so much of a I'll believe it when I see it with Shedrick Jackson because I've heard this before and I've seen drop issues. I haven't really seen him be that great. He looked fantastic out there. He looked like a wide receiver one that Bo can be comfortable with, but also Bo looked comfortable spreading the ball out and going through some progressions, finding guys like Javarius Johnson, Kobe Hudson, John Samuel Shanker got involved a lot, so Shed definitely looked like that number one, but all of these different guys got involved a lot, which was good to see. And what I meant by do we see it look a little bit different, it was like, I, I, I guess what I'm asking is, do we see, do we, what I was going to ask is, do we see Shed and then Schenker get involved as much as they did? Do you expect to see the same amount of production from that tight end spot, or do you maybe think Auburn goes to a couple different receivers, maybe DeVarsh Dawson gets involved at some point during the game? Yeah, no, I think 
some other guys might get involved a little bit more. I'm a big Malcolm Johnson Jr. guy. I think he's a really talented player. So we I saw him see. on one play. He was yeah, he was out there a couple times. Um, so I want to see him get involved a little bit. I think they really like what they have at tight end, and they're trying to keep that quiet just a little bit. I think they want to. You know, they showed it game one. Shanker got involved a lot, but led the team in receptions with Shed Jackson. Yeah, but I think they want to. I think they want to hold off even just a little bit more that they really like Tyler Fromm, Luke Deal. They like all these guys, but they want to they want to hide that just a little bit longer, I think. Elaborate on that. What's there to like so much? Sounds like you've got your nose to the ground on something here that maybe and a lot of people should be talking about that they're not. Yeah, uh I mean they first off the offensive line, it did look good, but they know that they need to have tight ends out there in order to help the offensive line. Secondly, they just really like these tight ends. They think they're really talented and that they're a mismatch out there on the field. So no matter who they have out there, they want to get them involved heavily. And whether it's uh, one tight end out there or two tight end sets, they're going to get targeted a lot. I think moving forward, you might see more than five catches out of the tight ends per game. I don't think it'll be just Shanker that gets five catches. And pretty much all of Shanker's targets were on out routes towards the sideline, mm-hmm. kind of those, uh, not really a check down. A lot of times there were flood concepts going on over yeah. there, and he was the underneath tight end, and Bo Nix just dropped it off, and those are virtually those are virtually unguardable. Yeah, exactly. I think Auburn's going to keep attacking that quite a bit and probably – a little bit more moving forward and who knows we may see what they did at the goal line they may put four tight ends out there <laughs> and just may, maybe at a fifth as, as the quarterback who knows I hope they stretch the field though that's what I want I, I think you'll see some of that too and they have some of that talent I think Landon Kane is a guy moving right. forward that could really do that um Tyler Fromm could do that and Shanker and all these other guys can do that too but I'd really look at Tyler Fromm and Landon Kane as some true deep threats at tight end. And that's what I was thinking, is if Auburn's going to attack the middle of the field with a tight end, I don't know, obviously Shanker, because he's so good at those out routes, I was going to say I'd like to see Landon King get involved. I'd like to see Tyler Fromm get involved. Have you heard anything about Brandon Frazier potentially getting involved at the tight end spot, or is he kind of falling on that depth chart? Yeah, so he's he's down on the depth chart a little bit. They really like him as a blocker, actually, from what I've been able to gather, but that's surprising because he's a massive human being. He's a target mismatch no matter who is defending him. So I do want to see him get involved in the red zone because he just feels like a matchup nightmare. How do you just throw it up to him? He's like six seven. You know, honestly, I would love to see a world where Auburn goes jumbo package. They get four tight ends out there, and then Pegues is running the wildcat at the goal line. I think that would just be <laughs> almost impossible to stop in a short-yarded situation. What would you think of Auburn and jumbo? That was... That was incredible to see. That was just, <laughs> well, because they went out there and they had three tight ends. And I noticed that it, it was across the field. So I have my little binoculars in the press box looking over there. I'm like, there's three tight ends out there. They call a timeout. I was like, oh, man, there goes that play. Come out of the timeout. Okay, there's four tight ends out there. <laughs> they needed one <laughs> they more. They didn't have enough. Behold, 14 <laughs> personnel. <laughs> <laughs> or 23, I saw someone point out on Twitter as well. Do you think we see that this week? Uh, I don't know about that, but. You know, the one thing I would be curious to see moving forward is you saw it on that QB sneak with TJ Finley. Do they bring him in almost in a Joey Gatewood-esque role at the goal line moving forward just because he is so massive? Is that something that even when, you know, it's the first quarter, does Joey Gatewood come in on like a fourth and inches, fourth and one for a QB sneak? That's something that I'm personally looking uh, for just moving forward. We talk about all these different wrinkles that we got to see in this offense in week one. 
do you expect to see just more of the same? Do you not expect Auburn to attack downfield very much? I mean, obviously, a 42-yard pass to Shed and, and a 34-yard touchdown to Javarius Johnson, but do you expect Auburn to maybe go attack the sidelines a little bit, or do we just see the same thing out of the passing game this week? You know, I think we're going to see about the same thing. Um, honestly, it was a little more than I even expected. You know, that Javarius Johnson touchdown was it was kind of a classic Brian Harson where he gets that opportunity to take a shot and go for it, and he did, and it worked perfectly. So I think we'll see something similar to that out of this week, just in the passing game. Um, I just don't, I don't know how long the starters are going to play. That's my biggest question mark for this week. They played for a long time against Akron. Yeah, I Alabama State may be better. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if they need to be playing at all in the second half because injuries and targeting are the two big issues there for me i would like to see the backups just roll through the second yeah you must have watched that old miss Louisville game (laughs) (laughs) that's pretty good well what do you know about this alabama state team because we've asked this throughout the week we don't really know yet from a live game setting where this team really can improve at least from what we've seen with our own eyes of course the team knows from at least an offensive standpoint, I think, because they play the defense every day. The defense is of quality. But if you've got concerns over vulnerability of this team, it probably is the offensive side of the ball. So the defense may be wondering at this point, they may not know where they need to improve fully yet because they haven't played anybody. So my question is, how can Alabama State challenge Auburn this week? Is there any way? Yeah, I mean, I would keep looking at the secondary because that would be the biggest issue that I had with the first game from the Auburn defense. That defensive line... Those guys were all menaces out there. I mean, they were dominating the offensive line, getting to the quarterback. Linebackers looked pretty good flying around out there, but the secondary was the biggest issue. So if Alabama State does anything that I'm going to take note of, it's going to be passing downfield, and how does the secondary respond to that? TJ Finley stepped out on the field of that Akron game and really had a watered-down passing concepts, had a watered-down offense because they were letting the air out of the football TJ Finley didn't look good. He didn't look good at all. But I was wondering if that was a figment of or a factor of the scheme and that it was time to let the air out of the football. Do you think maybe it's too early to judge TJ Finley at this point? I think it's definitely still a little too early, but you did see some cause for concern there. And you saw why Bonix has the starting job because of Bo's fantastic performance. And TJ just, he did not look good at all out there, man. I mean, that was pretty bad, but. It could have been partially scheme. It could have been maybe a little nerves, something like that. I don't know. But it did not look great out of TJ Finley. Don't don't ring the alarm just yet. But I mean, do you think there was actually, because all throughout spring, we were talking about a potential quarterback battle and that TJ Finley was pushing them. It kind of looks like that wasn't true. <laughs> from Yeah, from what I've heard, there, you know, there were some practices where it was like, Bo, you better step up a little bit. TJ's doing really good. But there was never a huge, like, yeah. TJ's getting momentum this could happen any day now there was never really any cause for concern there gentlemen let's go ahead let's give a prediction on this football game we'll, we'll pick it again later on in our Saturday selections but let's kind of put a bow on this of course it's Alabama State there's not a whole lot to dive into there I mean we have just completely like a sponge drained all the content out of this game throughout this week so score prediction for this weekend's ball game i'll start off 52-0 alabama state i'm joking <laughs> go ahead christian <laughs> uh, i have 56 to 3 auburn okay i don't expect to see a ton out of alabama state i think the defense is not going to want to give up a touchdown again this week and so they'll find a way to stop alabama state and offense gets the job done again yeah my prediction is 63 to 3 Auburn I think they're going to get over 60 again I feel like if they wanted to they could score 80 in this game if they really wanted yeah. to they could 
Uh, I think they'll I think they'll cap out at sixty three to three. I'd love to see Demetrius Davis get out there at some point. If if we're talking about TJ Finley not impressing, I'd like to see Demetrius Davis throw a couple of balls. You know, I think that would be fun. But I think this offense is more than capable than getting over sixty against Alabama State, and I say I'll I'll say they will. I'm gonna go fifty two to seven. I think that's where I'm gonna sit at. I wasn't overly impressed with the backups. I think that they lost a little bit of their intensity and. Can you really blame them? I'm not going to sit here and write off the defense or anything like that, especially the backups for how they performed, you know, after the start of the fourth quarter because, well, we're not going to see all of those guys on the field at the same time and you lose some of that intensity when you're up, however much Auburn was up by. I mean, I guess it was, you know, 53-0 to zero or whatever it was before Auburn finally put that last touchdown on the scoreboard with Jark West Hunter absolutely annihilating that human being. I mean, he's got a family. Come on, man. You didn't have to throw him into the end zone five yards. Yeah, but 44 chose to go low, and that was the wrong decision. He chose to go high earlier in the game, <laughs> as you pointed out. I mean, there's there was a lot of poor decisions made against Jark West Hunter, but I think that Alabama State finds a way to score. They've got some athleticism on the offensive side of the football, namely quarterback Ryan Nettles. It's very difficult to pitch a shutout, and the backup defense showed that when they get out there, and I think that the backup defense, like you said earlier, Christian, I think they get out there quicker than they did against Akron. That was game one. You wanted to see what you had. Maybe that caused some of the starters to play longer. This is not a game, I don't think, where you're going to see the starters play well deep into the third quarter, you know. So I think just having the backups out there for a full quarter and a half probably – that's where I come from with the touchdowns. So I'll go with seven. And then I don't think the offense scores as much either because I think you see the backup bow play a lot longer. And I don't think that they'll be tossing the ball around the yard easily based off what we saw with TJ Findlay in the first game. So 52 to seven is where I'm going. Still blowout. Not expecting Auburn to look bad. I think Auburn's going to look great. This is more of a figment of how I think that the game is going to develop in the way that it's going to be played by Auburn. Mm-hmm. Auburn still likes to control the clock. They're still going to have big plays, breakaway, touchdown scores, and whatnot. And they were scoring quick against Akron, and they'll probably do this again. I just don't think the backups are going to do it as easily as the first team did. Yeah, no, I certainly agree with that. I just I don't think a starter should see the field in the second half, personally, unless it's a disaster, which I don't expect to happen at all. So <laughs> They looked good in week one. They really did. They looked like one of the best SEC teams in week one. And there were some other schools that were playing bad teams like texas a&m that did not look very good mississippi state did not look very good rice was beating arkansas 17 to 7 with 10 minutes left in the third i mean you can look all across the league it was a bad start at times for some of these teams especially in the sec west but let's take a break here when we come back we want to talk to you a little bit about alan flanagan missing time for 12 to 14 weeks what do you know about the situation as well as auburn basketball releasing its full 2021 2022 schedule you're listening to on the line You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Dawn, ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com with us. Christian, tell us about all the stuff coming up on AuburnSports.com. Yes, we'll have all of our different game coverage tomorrow. Um, Tons of different stories after the game, stuff throughout the game, and then afterwards, uh, report cards, stuff like that. So we'll have a ton of different game coverage tomorrow. Of course, you had coverage of Auburn basketball releasing its full 2021-2022 schedule. Take me through it. Yeah, so the biggest thing for me would be the, well, we knew this already, but the lack of a Kentucky away game. That was unfortunate to see. I I know Auburn doesn't have great success there, but personally, just someone that enjoys watching good basketball, that'd be a very fun game. Uh, Starting conference play at home against LSU, that should be a fantastic game. 
you know, there's not going to be a ton of students here necessarily, but I would still expect it to be a very, very loud atmosphere, even though students might not be back quite yet from Christmas break. And then uh, there's that tough stretch there where I believe it's away at Alabama and then a couple other away games kind of around there. So first five games were brutal to me. Absolutely brutal. Open up against LSU, then you got to go to Columbia, South Carolina. I wouldn't. That's a tough place to play. I know it's a tough place to play. I'm not. I'm not too concerned about that. After last year's game, not concerned about that. And you like this team a lot. You think they're talented, so maybe you see some of these games that I have nightmares about, like (laughs) Ole Miss has thrown in those first five weeks. Alabama on the road in the Mm -hmm. midweek. That's a tough one. Try to think who else was in that first five. Lance, do you have a schedule in front of you? It's LSU at home, like you said, on the road to South Carolina. Florida at home at Alabama and then at Ole Miss. So you're just you're not that concerned with some of the way that the SEC schedule laid out. No, I don't see too many breaks. I I was like, come on, SEC. I mean, I think it's a tough schedule, but I think the conference is just tough. They've got to yeah. they got to get through it, and I think there will be some road bumps along the way with a young team, and you know, Al Flanagan will be working his way back from injuries, so there will be some road bumps for the team. But I'm not not overly concerned about it. I I like this team to potentially beat LSU. I know LSU is very good, but I think Auburn's also very good. Um, South Carolina, not concerned about that one at all. <laughs> Florida, I think, is going to have a little bit of a down year. Um, Alabama, that's that's going to be a tough game, no matter how you slice it. And Auburn then, by 20. <laughs> I don't know about that on the road, but uh, Auburn's got a solid... Look, I like Auburn against just about every SEC team this year. I think Auburn has the most talented team from top to bottom in terms of they have 11 scholarship guys that can all play at a very high level so they've got a ton of depth and i like that a lot is that plus or minus alan flanagan at Uh, 11 i think they're at 11 with alan flanagan okay i think you 10 is still really deep though guys 10 is super deep i think at the same time though i agree with what christian's saying and if it's going to happen you know they've got a non-conference schedule that is not that is not terrible i want to say like there there's some there's some there some pretty good teams in this schedule especially when you look at battle for atlantis uconn's not a bad team ucf beat auburn last year you get yale nebraska's still a power six program at st louis is not going to be just a, an auburn by 20 type of game you know, so there are definitely games like you and I were talking about yesterday, Noah, where Auburn should go out and they should be favored and they should win those games, but it's at least going to po- pose a little bit of a challenge so that once they get into the this SEC slate, they're prepared to handle a team like LSU and South Carolina early. Yeah, no, I think the battle for Atlantis is going to be really good, and especially looking at UConn, to my knowledge, they have a ton of good bigs, so that'll be a really fun game to watch where you've got Walker Kessler and Jabari Smith and Jalen Williams and Dylan Cardwell and all those guys against the bigs at UConn because... I mean, Auburn has one of the best front courts in the country, so it'll be interesting to see how they shake out against UConn. John Rothstein pegged that UConn-Auburn matchup in the first round as a potential round of 32 type of environment mm-hmm. in an NCAA tournament game, right? If, so, if Auburn's a one seed and UConn's an eight, yes, and, and then they just meet. <laughs> I'm here I'm here for it, or a 4-5 maybe. I'm not I mad at that. I think that maybe is a little bit more realistic at this point. <laughs> Come on, man. Dude, this team, I'm so excited. Like, I'm so excited to see how this team gets through non-conference play. And I, I do I do agree with you, Noah. I think that these first five games are tough, but I also agree with Christian. I think that this team, with or without Flanagan, and I know that loss is tough, I think they can make it out. Take me through this Flanagan injury. 12 to 14 weeks is the expected timetable of return, but 
Achilles injuries can take a lot longer than maybe expected. This could be something that lingers for the full season with what we've seen from some guys. So how do you what do you know about how Auburn feels about this at this point obviously they're they're super bummed that they just lost one of their leaders but Mm kind of like what's the feeling inside the program about how they can handle this situation moving forward you know first obviously they are a little disappointed but I think they feel pretty lucky because it's not a full rupture of the Achilles if that was the case he's out for the season but because of the injury and the surgery it's realistic he could be back towards the very end of non-conference getting ready for SEC play but again Achilles are tricky. I know it's not a full rupture, but it's still an Achilles issue. So you got to be careful with that. And especially someone that has so much bounce in his legs and likes to jump and is very vertical like Alan Flanagan. So you do have to be careful about that. Now, with that said, Auburn has a couple of different options on trying to replace him in the starting lineup. I know he's the starting small forward. You could do a situation where you would shift Jabari Smith down to the starting three because he does have that athleticism, play Jalen Williams at the four and then Walker Kessler at the five. Or you could look at a guy like Devin Cambridge, who was the starting, or he was going to be the backup shooting guard most likely behind KD Johnson, put him at starting small forward, but then you're in a little bit of a pinch for minutes at the two. Or then you also have Chris Moore, who was the backup small forward most likely. He could just slot right in and start at small forward. So they've got options. No matter how you slice it, they're going to be they're going to be a little thin just at one of those spots, whether it's at the uh, power forward or the shooting guard spot, but they'll be okay. They'll figure things out. How does Devin Cambridge factor in all this? Devin Cambridge, personally for me, I expect him to be the starter, at least to start, just because he started last year a little bit. He came off the bench. He's the most experienced out of that crew of and Jabari. Bruce loves him. Yeah, Bruce likes him a lot. He's been up and down throughout the practices that I've seen so far, but he did improve defensively last year. If he can just hone in on that shot and just be a little bit more consistent, I think he'll be fine as the starting small forward. Man, if he can get up to 34% from three, a 4% jump from mm-hmm. where he's at, really you know, about a 3.5% jump, if he can get up to 34%, I think you see, I think you see Devin Cambridge's production skyrocket. I think that would be a huge leap for him. A little bit more consistent, I think, is what you'd say. You wouldn't be thinking, all right, is this, is this the good Devin Cambridge today, or is this the building a house Devin Cambridge? <laughs> yeah, um, th- that that's just what they need out of Devin Cambridge. They just need some consistency. Even on the defensive side, he looked better last year, and then he struggled at times. So if they can get him to just be a little bit better defensively, he, he crashes the boards really well, actually, for a shooting guard slash small forward. He gets a lot of rebounds, so that's good. He's a high riser. Yeah, exactly. So... If he can just be a little bit better, I think he can slot in and be a starting small forward and be okay at that spot. I love his energy. The guy moves high motor, gets after rebounds. Love his energy. Just got to be a better shooter. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we got Saturday selections. You're back for picks yet again. <laughs> this is his favorite segment of the week. We'll be back. More of On the Line. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Dawn, ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central, Alabama. Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com with us on the show today, 30 minutes through the Friday edition of On the Line. High school football in the air. A lot of great games here in the area. You got Auburn High School at home against Dothan. Opelika hosting Eufaula. Lee Scott hosting Pike. Some really high-profile matchups 
happened in the area in high school football. We will speak with Scott Bagwell, Auburn High School play-by-play announcer, coming up at 3.30 today. Then at the start of hour number two, we'll take a listen to the pre-recorded conversations that I had with Buster Daniel, Lee Scott football head coach, and Eric Speakman, Opelika football head coach, to get some of these region matchups and hear from these coaches what their thoughts are and their their mentalities all three of these teams doing very well to start their high school football seasons let's get into our favorite segment of the week saturday selections saturday selections all right gentlemen let's run through the standings right here gonna welcome in intern sting onto the show sting how you doing today my man i'm doing great guys thanks for having me all right i just gotta let you know i'm commandeering the old Miss victory from earlier this week, shifting the standings <laughs> yeah, here. We talked to you off the ledge. I'm glad you picked Ole Miss, though. Here are the standings. Lance 15 and 4, Sting 15 and 4. I'm 14 and 5. I should have been keeping up with your standings from the get-go, but I didn't know that that two hours was going to be a yeah. regular thing for us. So we're j- you're just a guest picker every <laughs> week, all right? <laughs> it, it was not fantastic last week, but I did get that UCLA game, so that counts for like five. That does. That does. You were the lone guy in the studio who picked ucla actually felt confident enough to pull the trigger even though lance and i talked all summer long potential upset and then you actually <laughs> you had uh you had the heart to do it so i'm glad you did that well let's start out in the pack 12 guys is there going to be an upset here number 12 oregon at number three ohio state 11 a.m fox this is a big noon kickoff i wish it was the night game but you know fox has the tv rights over this home game yeah i, I don't think there's going to be an upset in this one i'm picking ohio state to win look Oregon was the only team to win in the Pac-12 North in Week One. Uh, I don't think that means that they're they're some phenomenal team by by any means. I think they're good. I don't think they're terrible. I think they will win that division, but I don't think it's going to be enough with Anthony Brown uh, to get over the hump against a good Ohio State team in Columbus. So I'm picking Ohio State and C.J. Stroud. Even though I'm not a big fan of C.J. Stroud after one week, I'm taking the Buckeyes to win this one. Oregon's going to win, is what I would say if I was out of my mind. I. I would like to see Oregon put up a fight. I don't think they're going to. I think Ohio State is just too talented. I mean, like Lance, I'm not really high on C.J. Stroud after that week one showing, but I think his receivers are too good. I I think Ohio State wins. I think they cover the 14 and a half. I'm going to be real, Sting. I know your degree is going to be in finance. You should have gone into the theater because you had me sold there. I thought you really were picking Oregon. I looked up. I was like, hold up. (laughs) Christian? Look, it pains me to see uh, say this as an Oregon fan growing up, but both these teams stink. I don't think Ohio State wow. is very good. I think Oregon is really bad, like really bad. I do not think Anthony Brown is good at all. If Oregon wants any chance to win, they need to be playing Ty Thompson. Kayvon Thibodeau is hurt, probably not going to be playing this weekend. So, unfortunately, I'm going with Ohio State. At home, in the shoe, give me Ohio State. I don't think this game is going to be particularly close. I think Ohio State beats them worse than they beat minnesota which that was 14 i think ohio state beats oregon by more i don't like the oregon quarterback more than tanner morgan tanner morgan i anthony brown right now didn't show me a whole lot throwing for 150 Mm -hmm. against fresno state now he's playing a defensive quality maybe not a great secondary but it's going to be a better secondary than what he faced at fresno state on top of that i don't expect Oregon to be able to run the ball like Minnesota ran the ball. That's exactly what yeah. I was about to say. Is they don't have that fo- uh, fullback that you were so high Yeah, they don't have Coquie. <laughs> they can't move earth. They can't stick 380 pounds into a hole and move guys around. Oregon doesn't play that way. I think Ohio State really manhandles them here, and that may give folks a false image of Ohio State this year. I wouldn't say they stink, but I don't like them as much as maybe you have over the previous years. I don't think they're a top 
What are they ranked right now? I don't third. Yeah, yeah. they're not a top five team. Yeah, I don't know opinion, about they so. stink. That's a lot of college football didn't look good. So that that is yeah. You know, I, I want to give them a chance to improve, but I with you. They're not as good as typically your top four looks at this point in the year. Yeah. A lot I, of teams didn't look like that though. I should say I think that they stink in comparison to their ranking. I don't not think yes. they're a horrible team, but they are not a number three overall team. <laughs> I love to see another person hate on a team like I hate on Notre Dame. It's wonderful. I won't. I won't. I won't. I'm not opposed to it. These teams actually stink. Pittsburgh at Tennessee, 11 a.m. ESPN. Lance, I, I want to take Tennessee to win this game, but something about Pittsburgh, man. I think I think their defense is going to get after him. Uh, I was listening to a, a Tennessee podcast this week, and they were saying that uh, I believe it was actually Ramon Foster, a form, former uh, Pittsburgh Steelers uh, offensive lineman, said that he was like, "I think Tennessee is going to be more." physical than Pittsburgh well you go back and you watch the film against Bowling Green I mean obviously Tennessee was able to establish the run game against Bowling Green but I don't think they're going to be able to do that against Pitt those receivers were not getting open consistently Joe Milton looked like a statue at times in the pocket just not a lot of good things to like from a schematic standpoint when you watch Tennessee's offense Pittsburgh a power five opponent I like them coming in with Kenny Pickett who feels like he's been in the college game for 30 years now I think they're going to go in and they're going to win Pittsburgh uh, we've seen them in the past specifically with Kenny Pickett big or beat big opponents on the road Tennessee's not necessarily a huge opponent but I think Pickett and the Panthers get it done I'm picking Pitt Sting yeah I agree with pretty much all of that I I would like to take Tennessee personally but I just I think Pitt's going to be better I wasn't really impressed with what Tennessee showed me against Bowling Green. I mean, they couldn't even cover that spread against them. Even though it's in Neyland, I don't I don't believe in the Vols right now. I, th- I think Pitt wins. I'm going with Pitt, and usually when I pick Pitt, it turns out to be a disaster, and Pitt doesn't actually win. But <laughs> I How feel, often have you picked Pitt to do something? Uh, like last year in picks and stuff like yeah, that. It like just, Plainsman newspaper picks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It just never worked for me. Pitt is always a team that does me dirty. But I believe in them this time, and I believe in them a lot. I think they win by... 14 to 17 points you know i have to add this picking up the plainsman back when i was in school to go and see the picks that was one of my favorite things to do man y'all have carl as the guest picker carl is one of my favorite (laughs) people at auburn university he is and he works a lot of different jobs too Mm -hmm. around town and so we go and see carl and he's actually a family friend as well so like i love carl carl is awesome uh, famous quote from Carl Auburn sucks <laughs> <laughs> I love Carl though man he's awesome I'm going to take Pittsburgh in this game look both of these teams played awful Mac schools are schools that look like Matt schools I know UMass is an independent now Pittsburgh at least beat them 51-7 to Tennessee beat Bowling Green who's in contention they both played teams in contention for being worst teams in college football and one team struggled the other team cruised i'm going to take pittsburgh i think that defense is legitimately good they typically have good defenses at pittsburgh so i will take the panthers as well joe milton versus kenny pickett give me the quarterback that actually threw for 272 yards against a bad team rather than the quarterback who had less than a 50 percent completion percentage against one of the worst teams in all of college football alabama state at number 25 auburn we're all taking Auburn, but I want to give score predictions here again. 11 a.m. SEC Network. Lance. 63 to 3 is my prediction for the final score. I would like, I expect Auburn to give up like one touchdown in this game, but I don't want it to happen. And I think this defense, if they truly want to prevent Alabama State from scoring, they can. So I'm going to say the, the Hornets get a field goal, and that's it. 63 to 3. I'm going to say uh, 59 from Auburn. And I don't know, I have this weird feeling that Alabama State may score a little bit more than Akron. Not much. I, I'm feeling about a 59-14 here. I don't. I think maybe it's just that backup defense last week. Kind of maybe a little uncomfortable. 
with how they kind of let they kind of let Akron walk walk over them a little bit with DJ Irons. So I have this weird feeling it could be, be completely wrong that I think Alabama State may score two touchdowns late in the game. So I'm gonna go with 59 to 14. Yeah, I said 56 to three. I want to say in the first segment, and I'm sticking with that. I think that second team defense, yeah, they didn't look great. I think they're gonna be fired up and they're gonna have something to prove out there that they're gonna want to look really good. And I just think Auburn gonna flat out dominate. I'm going to go 52-7. to seven. I think the backups get out there sooner, like Christian said, and uh, I wasn't overly impressed with Auburn's backups. Maybe they play better this week, but I think things get watered down a little bit. Time starts moving quicker in that second yeah. half for how much they're going to be running the ball. So I'm going to go 52-7. to seven. Still utter dominance, though. The, the, that first half will be near flawless once again. This is a game that I'm excited about, gentlemen. 5,280 feet up in the sky. Number five, Texas A&M at Colorado, 2.30 p.m. Fox. I don't feel good about this game but I'm going to take the Aggies to win. I question whether or not they're going to actually be able to cover a 17-point spread. Look, Haynes King did not look great against Kent State. Uh, There were a couple of decisions that he made where it's like, okay, that's turnover-worthy, but if you go back and watch film, there are also a couple, two of those interceptions in particular where it just bounced off the receiver's hands and then uh, a defensive back caught it and it was a pick. I'm willing to give him benefit of the doubt and say that that's not going to happen again in this game. Uh, I think Colorado, they, they match up well with Penn, or with Texas A&M and the fact that A&M was giving up five yards of carry to Kent State last week. All Colorado does is run the ball with both their quarterback and their running back. Um, but I'm going to take A&M to win in, in this game. I just think they're too talented. I think they'll force a couple of turnovers. Uh, and, yeah, I think it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be close, but Aggies win. Yeah, I'm going to go with that too. I'll personally be rooting for the opposite outcome because I like me some Colorado Buffaloes, but I just don't think that – Go Buffs. That Colorado can win that game outright. I think the spread is too much. I think Vegas knows what it's talking about. It's a 17-point spread. I, I do think A&M kind of corrects some issues that they had against Kent State last weekend. But I do think they win. I don't think they cover, though. I think it's close. Yeah, I'm going to go with the exact same there. I think it's going to be a 10, maybe a 7-point game. But I don't think Colorado has what it takes to pull off the upset here. I don't like Texas A&M really at all this year too much. I know they got a fantastic defense, but... They're going to find a way to lose at some point, but it's not going to be to Colorado. Texas A&M just has better athletes at every position, I think. I'm popping off here, gentlemen. I alluded to this earlier in the week. I thought about it a lot longer. I'm in. Let's go. Let's stampede up there in the mile-high city in Denver. Colorado is going to beat A&M. I got to stick to my guns. I said A&M's not a very good football team. Hates Kings throwing an interception every nine pass attempts. Red alert. Nine pass attempts. He's throwing a pick, guys. That, for some teams... Like at Mississippi State, that's a drive. That's a pick a drive. Come on, right? So I'm going to take Colorado to win this game. Here's some interesting stats about the matchup. Lance, you broke down the yards per carry. Get this, Colorado averaging 281 yards rushing here to open up the year. That's how much they posted, yes, on an FC, FCS foe at Northern Colorado, but they were still a pretty good rushing attack last year. If y'all will remember, Colorado was 4-0 and last year at one point and ranked. Now, of course, they ended the year on a bit of a slide, but I still think there is some quality here at Colorado. Sure, Texas A&M is more talented, but I think they're struggling enough on the offensive side of the ball going on the road to that altitude this early. I'm not sure if they are ready for that type of road trip. This ball is going to be put on the ground. I think Colorado is going to be able to wear them down in combination with running the football so much, in combination with the altitude. A&M gave up 226 rush yards last week against Kent State, guys. 226. And it wasn't like they just beat their head repeatedly against Wall. I mean, they did, but like it was five yards per carry. It wasn't like that on 2.5. 
It was five yards a carry. I think Colorado's going to be able to do what they want to do. Close, low-scoring ball game. Don't give them the football. Play keep away. Run that clock. Then they got a shot at home. So I'm going to take Colorado here. This is my upset. Similar to how Christian stepped out on the ledge with UCLA, I'm going to say A&M loses a heartbreaker in Colorado. I mean, I could see it happening for sure, but just a little hesitant about it. I understand. This isn't UCLA. This isn't UCLA. I get that. But maybe Colorado's looking to their their friends out west and saying, we can do this too. Let's beat an (laughs) SEC team and a top five SEC team at that. People are going to realize, even if this game is close though, people are going to start to wonder, oh, A&M's not that good. They, I do not think they will be ranked number five after this week. I will say that it will be even if they don't, even if they do win, and it will be dropped because Clemson will jump over them because folks will be like, oh, a And maybe isn't that good. So let's take a quick break here. When we come back, we'll get to more Saturday selections as well as get some recruiting tidbits from Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com. Last segment of hour number one here on the Friday edition of On the Line. Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. We got Christian Clemente. I messed that up. I'm so sorry, man. <laughs> Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com with us on the show. Appreciate you joining us for the full two hours. What's going on in recruiting? I know you cover recruiting for AuburnSports.com, the Auburn Rivals site. So what's going on with Auburn going into week two? Yes, yeah, so they're well first off they're just remaining hopeful that they can get something out of Darius Clemens you know he did make the trip down last weekend I was told that it was a successful trip Auburn was pretty happy about uh, they felt really good about where they are when he left so they're continuing to wait on that he's the, the question is did he feel really good about where he was that Saturday he did yes <laughs> so he is still planning to go to an Oregon game obviously he's from Oregon so that's not calm. that hard yeah, not yeah exactly but um just waiting on that. As for this weekend, it's going to be a relatively quiet list of visitors. Um, they have three 2023 four-star guys, all from the local area here. There's Dale Miller out of Hoover, Tony Mitchell out of Thompson, and then Dakari Nelson out of Selma. Uh, two of those are corners, one are a safety. So those are the three kind of main guys that are really high on Auburn's board that will be here this weekend. There's some other 2022 guys. Uh, Justin Williams, a running back who's currently committed to West Virginia, they're continuing to look at other running backs to pair with Damari Alston. Um, Quinshawn Judkins was in last weekend. Now they got Justin Williams in. Drew Bobo is going to be back for the game. That's also I, easy to do. Yeah, again, not a huge <laughs> shock, but I really like where Auburn's trending there. I put in my future cast for Auburn. I like Auburn's chances a lot there. That seems to be – I would put him on commit watch within the next month to six weeks or so. He should probably have an announcement, and I would expect it to be Auburn uh, at the moment. So – it's going to be a relatively quiet week this week. Pretty quiet, probably Georgia State as well, but they're already ramping up and starting to get ready for that Georgia game and then all those SEC home games throughout the rest of the year for some big official visits. Question to you about Darius Clemens real quick. Does it concern you at all that Oregon may be getting the last visit here? I'm not really concerned about it, no. I just think that's the situation. Uh, I, I think Auburn leads. I have my future cast in for Auburn, and – I would expect him to commit to Auburn at some point. I, yep. He doesn't have an exact commitment date yet. He's still playing it out a little bit, talking to the other schools, talking with Auburn still obviously as well, but I would expect him to be at Auburn. Yeah, the only reason why I ask that is because sometimes you see guys 
the way that it plays out a lot of times for some players is whoever gets that last visit. Mm-hmm. That's the one that kind of stamps inside the brain. It's yeah. the most fresh, especially when you see a commitment date that's like five days after yep. the visit <laughs> place. You're like, oh, great, here we go. So, yeah, I was curious about that. And we don't know when he'll be visiting for an Oregon football game. Obviously, it can't be this weekend because he'd be in the shoe. Yeah, no, it's not this weekend. It'll be it'll be within the next couple weeks. I, I don't have an exact date from him there, yeah. but he will be visiting a game. I believe he tr- he wants to try and go to a Penn State game, but he might not be able to. Everything that I've heard is it's really just Auburn and Oregon, and Penn State is a pretty distant third, but it's really Auburn one. What does he like Auburn. about Auburn so much? Not saying that there's not wonderful things about Auburn. There <laughs> is. I'm just curious because Oregon's recruiting pitches. Be like, hey, Nike's in our backyard. Look mm-hmm. at all these cool jerseys that we have. And then also the Alton Zoo, you know this. It's a fun place. That's yeah. a cool stadium. That's a cool place to be at. The Pacific Northwest, it's pretty. You can't tell me that it isn't pretty out there. It is beautiful up there. Mm-hmm. And you know about that too. And you might even get to see a bear, as you've said. You, you had a bear <laughs> and a moose in your backyard. It's a cool place up there. What is attracting him to Auburn, Alabama? Well, first off, some of these kids, they do like to go away from home. They like to be somewhere else. I don't know if that's necessarily the case with Darius, but he just really likes the Auburn feel. He he gets that Auburn family feel whenever he's down here. It feels like home to him, and Auburn has made him a huge priority. Um, Oregon and Penn State have started to fill up the wide receiver class. You know, They're bringing in – I think they both have four guys committed at wide receiver. Auburn has two, and they know – and he knows that – He's number one on the board. They want him really badly. They've been pushing him really hard. He's good friends with Damari Alston, the running back commit. So Auburn just has a lot working in its favor here, and I really like Auburn. Does Brian Harson's familiarity with that area of the country yes. help him in recruiting? Yep. I think so, 100%. Um, I believe Darius had talked with um, some of these guys on the previous staff a little bit while they were at Boise, so it certainly helps him. Yeah, it's like Brian Harson knows what that place of the country is like. He knows what that geographical landscape looks like. He knows, you know, he, he knows how to speak that language, right? Like it, it's 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 different up there. You know this. Mm-hmm. You came from Montana, same sort of area of the country. I know you were the tip top, but still, it, it's different. Things that you guys say, ways that you guys talk, culture up there is vastly different than it is down here, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it's a ton different. The staff, I think they've done a really good job of using that to their advantage. They're from all over the place. You know, Burt Watts was in California for a little. He played at Cal. He coached at Fresno State. I forget about Burt. Yeah. I for, he's outside linebackers, right? Outside linebackers and special teams. Yeah. Um, so they've they've used the advantages that they have. You know, they might not have a huge advantage down here in the South, but they have advantages elsewhere, and they've used that so far in recruiting. Obviously, this year's recruiting class is is sitting somewhere still at the bottom of the SEC in terms of recruiting ranking. But at what point you're talking about this coaching staff kind of being all from all over the place and establishing themselves everywhere else but the South right now? How long does it take for Auburn to to get that to get these commitments in the Auburn, Georgia, Florida area? Um, so I think they've already been doing that a little bit, but it hasn't laying been the groundwork in that 2023 class. Yeah, they've been laying some groundwork. Even the 2022, I mean, they got Omari Kelly, they got uh, Kobe Albert, Caden Story. They got guys in the area, but they didn't get the huge guys right. in a sense. They didn't get the super high four stars, the five stars, et cetera. I think they're just trying to lay some of that groundwork, work that the advantages that they have now, use those now while laying the groundwork in Alabama, Georgia, Florida, and then maybe 2023, maybe even 2024 recruiting class that can really attack this area. And a big part of that is the product on the field. So if they can keep winning and showing out like they did against Akron, obviously they're not going to do that every week, but 
if they can continue to show what they've got, that'll really accelerate the pace down here. That's it for hour number one of the Friday edition of On the Line. We still got a packed show for you guys planned for hour number two. A full hour left. We got Buster Daniel, Lee Scott football head coach, Eric Speakman, Opelika football head coach. To start off hour number two as we get into some high school football as well as continuing our Saturday selections, making picks across this weekend's action in college football. Christian Clemente, AuburnSports.com. Stand with us for hour number two. We'll be back. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn on ESPN 1067 or online on FoxSports983.com and ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw. Join the show by calling in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Hour number two of On the Line. Noah Gardner here with you on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Lance Dahl, Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com joining me as well here for the Friday edition of the show. Buster Daniel, Lee Scott football head coach. We'll take a listen to that pre-recorded interview in just a moment, but just a brief preview of tonight's ball game for the Lee Scott Warriors taking on the Pike Patriots. This is the big one. Last week was an absolute dandy. 23-22 win over the number three team in the state, Glenwood. Lee Scott pulling off a massive upset. Now they take on the defending state champions. Last week, it was the runner-ups. This week, it's the defending state champions. You win this ball game, you take the driver's seat of the region. Lee Scott can put their destiny in their hands with a win tonight. Let's take a listen to what Buster Daniel had to say about last week and this week's matchup with the Pike Patriots. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner here with you now joined by Lee Scott football head coach Buster Daniel. Coach, appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. How you doing? Man, I'm doing well. Doing well. Great day. Coach, opening up region play you guys take down Glenwood 23 to 22 talk to me a little bit about how big of a region win that was and a program building win that is for you yeah it was a big region win but you know more more than that it was a big win for our football team our program and our school you know uh that's a big rival um finding out more and more how big a rival it really is with Glenwood and uh Lee Scott but uh it was a great win for our our whole school and uh the kids and it's uh momentum building into the into the rest of the season the team digs deep they come up with a stop on fourth down late in the ball game what did you learn about your team on both sides of the football in that game where at times you may think well these guys you know they, they have a top 25 player in the country on, on their side but you guys rose to the challenge and made something happen yeah you know our, our guys we've been trying it was a great place for fourth down you're exactly right uh you know Joseph uh, Horn made a great play on that and knocked the ball down there. You know, and, 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 the, and the biggest reason he was able to do that is because all the receivers were covered. Our guys played great in the secondary. But uh, what I learned about our kids, hey, I mean, they for, for a year and a half now, we've been trying to get them to learn how to fight through adversity. And uh, they, they did that two, three, four, five times Friday night. You know, they'd go down or have a bad play. Uh, Any time during the game, they could have laid down and said, well, here we go again. But they didn't. 
And, uh, you know, they kept fighting back and fighting back and fighting back and finding ways to score to win the game. Looking at that ball game several times throughout it, you can look at Tate McKelvey, and he had 20 carries for 114 yards. At halftime, he's leading the team in passing, rushing, receiving. He was kind of doing it all. And you see him, you know, saying, hey, I need a sub. And, and you guys take a timeout. Take me through Tate McKelvey's performance against Glenwood and him laying it all on the line. Yeah, he uh, takes a special player for us, you know, and he he, he does it all. He he had receiving yards, he had passing yards, he had rushing yards, he had a couple of tackles probably, you know, and I think he even served some guys some water uh, during halftime. But, uh, but, you know, he, he does it all. But, you know, Tate, to be able to do that, our, all our guys played well Friday night and they gave him holes to run in. And, you know, Ryan uh, Deering came in and, and played some quarterback and he was the one throwing the ball to Tate when he was getting those receiving yards. So, yeah, but, but you know, Tate's a, he's a special young man. He's, a, he's a, our leader on the field. Um, so he had a great night, and I was glad to see that. Switching gears now to this week against Pike, what's practice looked like for you guys? I was out there earlier this week. It seems like the the focus, and, and, and maybe this isn't quite as equal of a comparison, but it's kind of the, the Nick Saban rat poison kind of thing where you're like, hey, you guys haven't done anything yet. Keep focusing, keep working. That's exactly right. You know, we had we celebrated all weekend and, and came back in on Monday and ready to go to practice, and I told him, I said, look, this thing's over now. You know, you won the big game, you beat your big rival, but, you know, we, we still have seven games on our schedule we got to play. So we got to come back down to earth. And, uh, you know, we had to knock them down a couple of times this week to get them refocused on the on the task at hand. You know, we got Pike coming in, which is, you know, as athletic, if not more than Glenwood. Um, so we, and we've got to play a perfect game to be able to beat them, you know, kind of like what we did last week against Glenwood. So we had to get them refocused and, and get them to understand that, you know, this is the next game. It's the biggest game because it is the next game. No matter who we play, uh, so we had to get them get them back back focused, and uh, and they did did that, and and they're ready they're ready tonight. And coach, with a win tonight, you guys are going to be in the driver's seat, and you still are in the driver's seat. You control your own destiny, but with a win tonight, you are securely in that spot at the top of the region where you can you can run this thing for the rest of the season. Take me through the mentality going into this ball game where you could you could be in a really good spot in the region after a win tonight. Oh, absolutely. You know, we, we, we beat uh number three team in the state with Glenwood last week. And, you know, I, I personally think that our region uh, with, with a couple of teams is, is the toughest in the state, you know, in AISA. Uh, we could happen to beat Pike tonight. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying we're going to we're gonna beat Hooper and we're going to beat Valley down the road. But uh, the way I look at it, if we can win tonight, we'll be, we have beaten the best two teams in our region. And uh, other than, you know, just, just having a flat tire somewhere down the road, we could easily win our region and uh, host the first-round playoff, and it'd be big for our program. And you guys preparing for Pike this week, what kind of stuff are you seeing on film from the Patriots? Oh, very athletic, uh, you know, just like last year. They're different kids, but they're still very athletic. Uh, they can all run. They're big kids. Um, you know, they, they get after you. And uh, we, we've got a – uh, uh, do the same thing to them. You just get after them and hit them in the mouth and uh, let them know that we're not going anywhere for 48 minutes and they're going to have to beat us and we're not going to give them the game. Coach, keys to the game for tonight? Uh, control the ball, keep it away from their offense, no turnovers, and no stupid penalties. You know, that's the things we're still working on. We had a couple of bad penalties last week that we shouldn't have had and uh, had one turnover in the game. We've only had one turnover in two games, so that's good. Um, and I'm not sure that was a turnover. Uh, yeah, I don't think the boy had control when he went out of bounds, but it's what the referee called. So it's a turnover, so we got to fix that. But uh, just keep the ball away from him, control the clock, and and uh, no 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 bad penalties. For the record, coach, I think he was bobbling it too. I appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. 
All right. Thanks a lot. We appreciate it. Go Warriors. That was Lee Scott football head coach Buster Daniel. Gentlemen, I can tell you this. The guy was bobbling it, going out of bounds. I was right above it. I was in the crow's nest at Lee Scott's football stadium. It was my sideline. He was bobbling it. <laughs> but still, excellent football game, and now the Warriors are definitely in position to take the region. And like Buster said, you know, is the strategy there very similar to what you're predicting in the A&M Colorado game where you just have to play keep away from Pike and kind of control the clock and run the football? That's what it appeared last week against Glenwood. It was very much so controlled on the ground. I've talked about senior quarterback Tate McKelvey's performance some this week back on Monday's show with you. And your quarterback was four for five passing for 51 yards and a touchdown. He had 20 carries for 114 yards and a TD. And they even got him out at wide receiver in the screen game for three receptions for 27 yards. He's the key to this game plan. They're going to put this ball on the ground. I went back and watched this ball game, and this was also stuff that I was seeing when I was calling the game as well. I dug in and watched this game because we have the video broadcast on Facebook for people to go and watch. I went back, and I'm seeing Lee Scott's offensive line push guys that have 30 pounds on them at some spots. I'm seeing them shoving them 10 yards down the field, finishing blocks and whatnot. I think Lee Scott really likes where they're at, and I really like Lee Scott pretty much against whoever they're playing this year in between the tackles. Right. I, like, I like Lee Scott a lot in that portion of the field and with their rushing attack they've got it down pat they run the option game really well with Tate McKelvey they've got a deep stable of running backs three four different guys could carry the football tonight they all can get you some significant carries this is going to be on the ground and you're going to see a lot of six seven minute drives at least that's what Lee Scott wants to do if they can put a drive on for six seven minutes and score a touchdown at the end of it they're doing something right and that's something I was going to ask you you know you look at McKelvey obviously carried the load against uh against Glenwood last week but my question to you is if McKelvey falters can we see another guy on this offense pick up the slack or is just he the key component for whether or not Lee Scott wins this game he is a key component he is the key component but there are other guys definitely that you could see get involved in this offense that are super talented. Landry Cochran has played some H-back. He plays linebacker on defense. He also can play running back. I mean, there are a lot of different players that are versatile, can do different things. You got another running back in Patrick Futch who also plays safety. It is that level of football where you see a lot of guys play both ways, but you can see the athleticism out there at skill positions, and I think that this group does have a lot of guys that they can rely on, but at the heart of it all, you need your senior quarterback, and Tate McKelvey, he's as tough as they come. I'm going to switch gears now, talking about some AHSAA football as well. Opelika tonight, they are taking on Ufala, and kind of the storylines for Lee Scott and Opelika are very similar. Two schools that are 1-0 in their region, won important region games last week, but now they play the big dog in their region. And Ufala and Opelika, I mean, Opelika is the big dog in their region as well. Not, not, to, not to say that they're not. They are. They won it last year. They typically do win the region. But Ufala is a main contender in there as well. And with a win over Ufala tonight, Opelika puts themselves squarely in the driver's seat of that region. That game being played at Bulldog Stadium. We spoke with head coach Eric Speakman earlier today to get his thoughts on the matchup, also taking us through last week's win over Sydney Lanier. Once again, this is Opelika football head coach Eric Speakman in our conversation with him earlier today. We got Opelika football head coach Eric Speakman with us on the line. And coach, I want to back up to last week. You guys got your first win of the season, taking down Sydney Lanier in what was going to be a tough football game in Montgomery on a Thursday night. On the road, you went 24-7. to Take me through some of the things that you saw in that ballgame. Yeah, it was uh, huge getting that first region win, uh, you know, going 1-0 in a region and against a 
what we're finding out is a really good Sydney Lanier football team. Uh, they beat Lee last night uh, over in Crampton Bowl, twenty to six. So I think you're going to find out that that Lanier's uh, much improved this year, and uh, you know to get that win last week was really big. Uh, thought our offensive line played really well, and defensively we played well. We gave up one big play, so that was good. We only limited them to seven points, and we even had a pick six at the end to kind of seal the game. So. Really pleased with the second half. Wasn't real happy with the first half how we played, but the second half we played really well. Of course, last week we talked a little bit about your quarterback development. What did things look like going into week three and then throughout practice this week? What things are you seeing from your guys that are taking snaps? Yeah, they're both getting better, so we'll continue to use two tonight against Ufala. Uh Both of them give us a, a good chance to win a game, and as long as a kid can help us win – some form or fashion, then we're going to find a way for them to help us, uh, You know, whether it's offense, defense, or special teams. And same thing with the quarterback. Neither one of them has stepped up enough to, to win the job solely, so we'll keep using two. Of course, there's a lot of storylines going into tonight's game against Ufala. Of course, this is one of the tougher teams in the region, but also this is your last home game for like three weeks until October 8th is the next time you guys will have a home game against Lee Montgomery. So a lot baked into this game to make it really important. Take me through the importance of this ball game and kind of your guys' mentality going into it. Yeah, well, it's really important because it's uh, you know one, traditionally one of the tougher teams that you would think would be in your region. And uh, so in having them at home last year, we had a, a real barn burner with them, and I think it was 28-21 maybe. We had to hold them out on a fourth and goal from about the 20 on the final pass last year so. Uh, we expect a, a really good test uh, test from them tonight, and you know, good football team coming in to play. But like you said, it's good to have them at home. And this, uh, you know, I really don't know how good our region is. Uh, we seem to have a lot of teams that are that are pretty good. Don't know if anybody's great, including us. So uh, you know, any win in this region, I think, is going to be uh, beneficial as we go down the stretch. At this point in time, what kind of things maybe are preventing you guys from being great? Uh, really just turnovers. Uh, you know, we've, we've turned the ball over six or seven times in these first three games and probably cost us the first two games. Uh, you know, those turnovers, when you play somebody that is, is good, uh, you know, that limits the points that you can put on the board and then especially if they score off those turnovers. So that's been the biggest thing that's been holding us back the last two week or three weeks. Uh, we had a couple last week too. We were able to overcome those and, uh, we were not able to do it the first two weeks. So, we got to fix that problem and then just making sure we continue not to give up big plays on defense. Of course, at home tonight against Ufala, and of all the high school stadiums that I've been to, Opelika is up there in that top two, top three, you know, of, of best environments that I've been to at a high school football game. You guys pack it out every single Friday night. You've already gotten to have two home games this year. What's the environment been like, of course, seeing so many folks back in the stands and a normal environment? Yeah, it's been good having everybody, you know, the fans being able to come out and uh, that Auburn game was packed as it usually is. Uh, you know, last year the environment was really, you know, it was a lot different. You could tell the big difference uh, when we played over at Auburn. So having it uh, to where we can have the, the full crowds again uh, has been really nice. And I expect a lot of people out here tonight, uh, especially on our side, uh, coming out to support these kids. What kind of things are you seeing on film from Ufala going into this ballgame? Uh, just another, you know, another really good defense. They've always had good defenses, even when they were in 5A. And uh, you know, we've always played them in spring jamborees or fall jamborees in the past. So, I think last year was the first time since 1994 that we had played them in a in a game that counted in the season. 
And uh, but we'd always, you know, since they're only an hour and ten minutes away, we've always played them in some things that didn't count. So we've kind of been familiar with them. But uh, typical follow team, really good on defense, real athletic, uh, big. They run to the football. Then on offense, uh, they still move the ball pretty well. Maybe not as much as last year, but they also lost two uh, guys that are playing in college at the receiver position and a college quarterback. Uh, this year they've replaced those guys, and they're still kind of finding out what they need to do with their offense, but uh, still can put up some points. I know you may not want to put this label on it, but from the familiarity and now the fact that it's a major region game, is it safe to say that this one has heightened intensity, maybe the makings of a rivalry game in the future? Yeah, yeah, I would think it would be, uh, assuming both of us stay in the same class. Uh, you know, there's rumors that, that they may drop back down to 5A, uh, after this year, uh, based on their enrollment numbers, but you know, even so, we you know we could still play them in a non-region game, or if it, they stay in our region, it's obviously a really good rival game. Of course, you talk about strong defense, and and that's the side of a football that you pride your football teams at being great at. And the defense has gotten better every single week. You gave up 30 against Callaway, you know, a state champion from Georgia. You give up 16 against Auburn, and then seven last week against Sydney Lanier. That side of the ball seems to be dominating right now. Yeah, we've gotten better. Uh, that first game, uh, you know, against Callaway, it was actually really 24. That game, uh, they scored on the last play of the game on a pitch around kickoff return that we tried. You know, they kicked a field goal with uh, two seconds left. Or there was two seconds left on the clock. And then we just tried to pitch them all around the old Music City Miracle type deal, and they ended up picking it up and scoring. So it was, a, I guess, a Music City Miracle for them. <laughs> but uh, so you know, 24 points to them, and then uh, you know, giving up on defense, and then 16 against Auburn. I thought was pretty impressive, considering uh, as high powered as they can be. And then last week uh, we gave up, and it was a great play. You know, we we were right there. They threw a long pass, and our DBs right there with the kid, and the kid makes a great catch. So. You know, those are plays that we can live with. Um, so, yeah, we've gotten better each week. We found some kids that we, we moved around on defense a little bit that are, you know, they're still playing, but they're playing a little bit different position. Uh, that way we can make sure that they're we're getting uh, the best out of them and, and putting them in the best spot they can be successful. Before we let you get out of here, what are the keys tonight against Ufala? Yeah, it's always uh, limit big plays by them, especially in the passing game. Uh, they've got some guys that you know, really good receivers, quarterbacks good. Uh, and then on, on offense from our side is we have got to quit turning the ball over and giving them a, uh, another chance to you know, put our defense in a bind, and it takes your chance away from scoring. So those are, are the biggest two things that we've got to make sure that we continue to get better at. Coach, I appreciate you spending time with us today. I hope you have a good game tonight. Good luck. All right, thanks, guys. That was Obelika head football coach Eric Speakman. Bulldogs tonight in Bulldog Stadium hosting Ufala in a major region game. Obelika one and two on the year, one and zero in region play though, and about as tough as you get in their non-region play when you're playing Auburn, Callaway. Callaway won a state championship in Georgia last year. You're also taking on um, Central Phoenix City in your non-region play as well. After uh, I don't know if that's next week for them or two weeks from now, but still Obelika very difficult non-region schedule, and then they get in region play and. They all of a sudden start beating up on teams, right? Beat Sydney Lanier last week, 24-7. to Christian, have you been to a high school football game yet? I haven't been quite yet down here. Uh, I'm planning to go to that Auburn High IMG game. It's on October 29th, I think, right? That sounds Let's right. See. Yes, October 29th. Perfect. Yeah, I'll be there. But outside of that, I haven't been to a game quite yet. I, I want to go to another game or two here and there, but I'm not sure what to go to. What should I go to? Well, 
the Opelika game tonight is going to be very fun. They're also the Auburn games are extremely fun, and then even AISA football, I really enjoyed that. That's a different vibe. It's definitely like there's less people there, of course, but mm-hmm. it's still they they still care all the same. And so there's there's a lot of good ball games. I, w- I would say that there's if you're going for a game that may be a little bit better tonight, I think Auburn's going to play very well against Dothan tonight. I, I don't know. I, I don't expect that game to be as close as I expect the Opelika Ufala game to be tonight. Those are two tightly contested teams. Last year it was 28 21. And then last year Auburn beat Dothan like 42 to, to 6 or something <laughs> like that. So I, I'm, I'm expecting a little bit different outcomes tonight between those two teams. But there, there's some good high school football going on. You should go. Just go and go. <laughs> yeah. But you'll have to buy tickets online at most okay. of these schools. But you can. it's still a good time. It's, it's a good 7 bucks well spent. Yeah, I'm in. Maybe not this week, but I'll definitely catch a game or two. But you could also, if you want to, okay, catch out the broad, catch the broadcast tonight. Of course, we'll have Scott Bagwell, Auburn High School play-by-play announcer coming up at three thirty. Sister station broadcast on Wings ninety four three. We carry the Auburn High Sports Network. If you want to check out the Auburn High Tigers tonight as they take on Dothan, as well as also on Sister Station AU one hundred and one hundred point three FM. I'll have the call of the Lee Scott Warriors taking on the Pike Patriots. You can also check out a video broadcast of that game on the Lee Scott Sports Network Facebook page. It's excellent stuff. If you guys haven't seen it, y'all need to go check it out. It, it is it is good times on the high school landscape, and you got three nice home games here in the area to start it off when we come back we will continue our saturday selections we got another nice chunk of ball games to get through here for the college football landscape tomorrow we'll be back in just a moment back on on the line noah gardner and lance Dahl with you on espn 106.7 at fox sports central alabama also have christian clemente of auburnsports.com with us we'll have scott bagwell auburn high play-by-play announcer coming up at 3 30 to take us through the auburn high tigers taking on the dothan wolves tonight as well as we'll keep going through our saturday selections through the rest of hour number two here and so sting play the sting <laughs> saturday selections all right, guys, let's get into it. Welcome in intern Sting back on to the board with us behind the controls, making his picks as well. Reminding everybody of our standings right now. Lance 15 and 4, Sting 15 and 4. I'm 14 and 5. Very close race up to this point. 5 and 4 last weekend. We'll say 6 and 4 because they'll miss game as well. So let's get into it. Number 10, Iowa at number 9, Iowa State, 3 30 p.m. ABC. Lance? No, and I, you and I have been talking about it for, for the past week, expecting, like, well, we saw Iowa State start off really slow last season. Can they replicate it and kind of get things back on track here? They've got a top 10 matchup against Iowa. I'm going to take the Cyclones to win this one. I think Brock Purdy in this offense bounces back in a big way after struggling against, uh, who was it? It was it was Northern Iowa, right, that they were playing. Yeah, I it was you and I. I think Iowa State's going to bounce back. And look, Iowa looked really, really good against Indiana. Indiana. And you and I were both really two excited. Two pick about, sixes, though. Yeah, two pick sixes. You and I were really high on this Indiana squad. And then a couple of turnovers led to scores, like you just mentioned. I don't know if that happens in this game, especially with Iowa going on the road. I'm taking the Cyclones to win. Yeah, you guys really kind of hit the nail on the head on most of my thoughts there. I, I, I think Iowa State is going to end up finding a way to pull this one out. They haven't won this game since 2014. And yeah, they started slow, but they started slow last year. So I don't know. I just I, I've been jumping back and forth on this one. Earlier today, I thought Iowa was Iowa was going to win. But I'm going to go with the Cyclones here. Uh, I'm going Iowa State simply because I was very 
I was impressed by Iowa's week one win, but I think that was more of a product of Indiana just not being what we thought they might be. They didn't even know who they were. Spelt their name wrong on their jersey. <laughs> Did you see that? Uh, I didn't see that, no. They had one of their jerseys of one of their like running backs came out, and the name of the jersey, the name on the jersey was Indonesia. Oh, no. It was not Indiana. They uh, had one too many it eyes, wasn't even like It A's. wasn't even like a misspelling with all the right letters. It no, was yeah, they had the wrong, wrong number of letters. letters. You hate to hear that. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with, I mean, I just think Iowa State has better skill position players. Brock Purdy. Is it yeah. Breesy Hall or Brees? Brees. Brees. I like Brees Hall, Brock Purdy. I like those two just a little more than what Iowa has. Going Cyclones here also. We're going to get a clean wow. sweep in the studio. Look, Iowa's not getting two pick sixes again. And if you take the pick sixes out of that game against Indiana, they only scored 20 points and they went 20-6. to six. Defense looked great. Part of the reason why Indiana only scored six points, they threw two pick sixes, right? They looked horrible. I'm with you, Christian. I think a lot of that was Indonesia not playing very well and, and uh, not knowing exactly who they were. I'm going to say Iowa State bounces back. We could be wrong, though. We could be putting Iowa squarely in the top seven, top eight teams in the country after this week. We've got a couple minutes left. Let's try and turn out another couple of picks here. Number 15, Texas at Arkansas, 6 p.m. ESPN. Man, I want to take Arkansas to win this game. Like, I really, really do. But after seeing what they did against Rice and seeing what Texas did against the top 25 team in Louisiana Lafayette, I'm going to take Texas to win this one on the road. I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be tough. I think Hudson Card struggles in this game. But at the end of the day, I just like Texas's talent. I like what Sark's going to do on offense. I think they get just enough out of Bijan Robinson and Hudson Card, and they went on the road. Yeah, same. Texas is just more talented than Arkansas. I'm going to go with the Longhorns. Yeah, Texas is not back, but uh, Arkansas is not <laughs> even remotely close to being back. And or I, being here I was at all. Say, what counts as back for Arkansas? <laughs> yeah, um, I actually kind of liked Arkansas going into this season, and I threw that out the window after watching the Week 1 game, so I'm definitely going Texas. I'm not ready to throw Arkansas out the window because I think they too could improve, but – they're going to get beaten this game. My question about if Texas is back is, do they win convincingly? I think they win convincingly. I'm going to so say, too. you know, 17, 20 points, somewhere in there. It's going to be a slower-paced game, though. I think these two teams are going to try and run the ball a lot. And that clock's going to churn a bit, but the difference here is quarterback play. I don't think Arkansas is going to develop the passing game against Texas if they didn't have it last week against Rice. Now, will they develop it at some point? I think there's room for that. Definitely look at that game in Arlington when they play Texas A&M a couple weeks. I think that's going to be a close one. But I'm going to take Texas in this one as well. Let's do one more pick here. We got time. We're going to have to go through this one quickly. You got about 40 seconds, guys. NC State, Mississippi State. Is the whole room taking NC State? Yes. 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 Yeah. I'm, I'm rolling <laughs> with the Wolfpack. This game may not be close. This game may get ugly really quick. Uh, Mississippi State was really poor, guys. And I'm not a believer in Will Rogers, despite the fact that he may, you know, pull a career 70% completion percentage. It's on like three yard passes. Doesn't have a whole <laughs> lot of zip on his balls. NC State looked really, really good against USF, beating a 45 to 0. I think this NC State team could be a contender in the Atlantic Division after how we saw Clemson play as well. I'm not writing Clemson, Clemson off, but. If they lay an egg in the wrong game offensively, all of a sudden the Atlantic gets really, really interesting because NC State's good. NC State may be what we think North Carolina could have been. That, that could end yeah. up happening. When we come back, we got Scott Bagwell, Auburn High School play-by-play announcer to talk to us about Auburn High's upcoming matchup against Dothan tonight. Stay tuned for that. You're listening to On the Line. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. 
Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with the on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. We got Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com for the full Friday edition of the show. Previewed some Auburn football. Also talked a little bit about Auburn basketball releasing its full 2021-2022 schedule as well as the Allen Flanagan situation. Been giving our college football picks. But now we're going back to high school football conversations. We've got Sp- Scott Bagwell of the Auburn High Sports Network with us on the line. Scott, how you doing today, my man? Good, Noah. How are you doing? Doing really well, and I'm sure uh, you and I share this belief. Fridays, that that's that's the fun time. High school football, it's the place to be, and tonight there's a big home game against Dothan in Duck Sanford Stadium. Yeah, Friday nights, I mean, especially in the, in, in the state of Alabama, uh, so it's just so unique and so special, um, and and yeah, Auburn's got a big one tonight at home after uh, after being on the road for two games and in in, in a region with the only seven game or seven teams, which means it's a six game region. Every game is uh, that much more important, and especially home games. And Auburn has to defend home field tonight. Take a look at the Dothan Wolves. Of course, their entrance into 7A football ever since the schools in Dothan. They used to have two schools there, and, I, and forgive me, I can't remember what both of their names were, but they weren't playing 7A football. They joined together. They become a 7A school. Hasn't been an easy ride for Dothan High, and they lost to Auburn last year, 43-13. to Take me through last year's meeting and what that could mean for this year's game between the two schools. Yeah, uh, Dothan and Northview came together, 2-6-A, turned into a 7-A. You know, last year Auburn went down to Dothan and uh, didn't play well early, but um, able to, to, to just keep grinding. The defense took over the game about mid-second quarter. Auburn found a running game in that uh, game. That was kind of the big question mark going in, or in the early part of the year last year was the run game. Auburn High had a, a rusher go over 100 yards for the first time in the season in the Dothan game last year and kind of helped pro- propel some balance on the offensive side. Um, and, and Auburn used that balance all the way to, to uh, what should have been a state championship. Um, but Dothan lost a senior quarterback, senior running back. They're still trying to find their way. They got some guys. They got some athletes on, on, uh, different, on both sides of the ball. They're kind of big up front. So they're just kind of looking to find their place and, uh, and find their way in this season, kind of, as most teams are, but um, uh, when I talk with head coach uh, Keith Etheridge, something he said is it might not seem like it, but we're close to halfway through the season. So you should start to see some teams kind of settling down and figuring out who they are across the state this week and next. Do you think Auburn's doing that right now? Yes. I think I think defensively Auburn has found some kind of issues that have popped their head up a couple of different times. It's been with different players, so it's not like it's the same guy making the same mistakes. Um, it's uh, it, it, it's something that they really – the open like game and the private game showed both sides, all right, this in particular is what we need to work on. And when I was talking to both the offensive and defensive coordinators uh, earlier today, uh, they both kind of singled out, yeah, we're working on you know defense, making sure they're aligned. And, and that and things like that. Offensively, it's to stop making mental mistakes. Five-yard penalties have been killer for Auburn High School this year on the offensive side of the ball. Taking a look at Auburn football and kind of the trajectory of, of this team improving over the year, but region championships for Auburn, they haven't gone 
in secession since 08, 09, 010. Since then, it's been 2013, 2020. With the way that the region's shaking out right now, how you're seeing Auburn develop and whatnot, what's kind of the trajectory for Auburn to get in the mix to do that for the first time since 2010? So last week was a big win. It, it's really shaping up to be Auburn Central, Prattville Enterprise as the four teams that are going to make the playoffs. And Auburn's already 1-0 uh, in in the games with those four teams. They have Prattville, or they have Enterprise, rather, last regular season game, and they have Central in early October. So Auburn gets a break in the fact that they're kind of spaced out. Um, but the other thing is, is it in most years in this region, even though the same playoff teams kind of make it, there's been an upset that that really dictates the seeding. Auburn can't let that happen tonight. Uh, Dothan's looking to make the playoffs for the first time in 7A. The first year they were this new Dothan High School, they made the playoffs in 6A, didn't make it last year, looking to make it this year. But if Auburn wants to win a region championship, they got to go 6-0 and or 5-1, and and uh, you, you don't want to slip up at home uh, uh, against the team that Auburn has more talent than. Well, if they are going to avoid getting upset and they're going to try and go out there and control this game, what is one position group that you're looking at to go out there and execute to the best of their ability that will turn the tide in this game and, and give Auburn the win? Offensive line. Auburn High's got a lot of talent up front, but it's been mental mistakes has really been the big, you know, and I mentioned it earlier about offense wanting to clean up mental mistakes. Offensive line has been where that's been the biggest, like, that's where it stuck out the most. You know, on a no play last week against Prattville on fourth and two, Auburn jumps. Prattville jumped. They were going to get the first down, but Auburn jumps offside, or Auburn false starts. Uh, they went on a silent count to, for quarterback sneak. The center forgets to snap the ball. Would have been a fourth and one quarterback sneak. You like your chances. It's a false start. You got to kick a field goal. You know, some, some breakdowns on pass protection, some things like that not keeping your feet on a just kind of a scoop play and, and then you fall down and the linebacker you're supposed to get to uh, makes the play for a tackle for a loss. That's the area. As soon as that offensive line cleans up mental mistakes, I look for this offense to take off. Speaking with Scott Bagwell, Auburn High School play-by-play announcer on the Auburn High Sports Network. The defensive side of the ball, though, I know we've talked about this a little bit already, they are only giving up 9.3 points per game. Is that A, a factor maybe of the offenses that they played up to this point, or B, is this just true dominance by Scott Goolsby coach side? The defense is really darn good. Um, you talk about Auburn's giving up 28 points on the year, and uh, let's see, you had a blown coverage for a 50-yard touchdown against Opelika, um, a one-play drive, a fake punt that sets up Opelika on a short field um, now give the Bulldogs credit after that fake punt. They then drove the ball down the rest of the way to get the touchdown against Prattville. Auburn um, misses a tackle, so it should have been a 25-yard gain on a uh, deep ball. Ends up being a 65-yard gain, um, and then Auburn blows a coverage on third and 16 to set up a first down from the 17-yard line for Prattville, and then they finish the job. So on the four touchdowns that Auburn High has given up, there has been a big play and either a blown assignment or or a blown coverage, something like or missed alignment rather, or blown uh, coverage that have resulted in that. When Auburn plays what they do, when Auburn is not out of line, out of alignment or anything like that, this defense is is as good as it's ever been. Uh, they fly 
fly around the ball. Powell Gordon's the headline guy coming off the edge. But Auburn High has other people that are starting to starting to fill into their roles. Braden Joyner, who projects as a center at the next level, is having to play defensive tackle this year. And he is just blowing up the line of scrimmage um, for this for this defense. But uh no, I don't I don't think it's an indication of the talent that Auburn's played. I think it's just an indication of how good the Auburn defense is. Taking a look at tonight's ball game against Dothan, what are the keys? It sounds like don't make mistakes and Auburn dominates. Auburn is in search of their first clean game. Um, so Auburn's turned the ball over in every single game. Auburn's given up a deep play, deep ball in every single game. Auburn, you know, just and, and I know it sounds like, well, that's high school, it's going to happen. I understand that, but, you know, any time that, that you – and the big thing is, if you give up a deep ball in defense for Auburn, what they haven't done well after the deep ball is then get the stop. Even when they've given up the deep ball, gotten the tackle, got the guy down, they haven't been able to turn momentum and get off the field. The other team finishes the drive. But, yeah, Auburn's in search of that clean game, and uh, there's a lot of seniors on this team that are getting their first taste of actual playing time. They've, they've sat around, they've waited the last two years, so I, I look for Auburn here in the next, you know, either this week or next, to turn the corner and play that clean game. And I think whenever that clean game shows up, you can see this Auburn team kind of start to live up to some of the, the preseason expectations and the poll ranking, which you know they're they're number three in the state right now in the in the seven A poll. The other two teams undefeated in the region right now: Central and Enterprise. Central has shut out two teams in a row, of course. Uh, you know, super. You know, not not super competition compared to a team of. Central's caliber they shut out Ufala shut out Smith Station but uh you can kind of see the cream rising to the top here in this region yeah it, you know Auburn and Central played for a trip to the to the final or to the state championship game the last two years um and I think uh, some people in the south uh the southern part of 7a I should say are thinking that that's where this is going again enterprise is really darn good they're physical. They're fast. They they throw a different type of offense at you that you that if you're not prepared for and you don't play your keys well, it can be a long night. Auburn High found that out last year when they went down to Enterprise and lost their perfect regular season because they couldn't get a line right, and then Enterprise just punched them in the mouth, and Auburn didn't answer. So Enterprise is going to have something to say about that. Prattville's still really really good, and looking down to Mobile, Theodore um, Theodore has also uh, been the best of the bunch. Uh, down in Mobile the last couple of years. I know they're ranked 6A, and, and they're looking to get past the second round and, and looking to uh, take that next step and, and advance their program. Scott, appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. Tell everybody where they can hear the broadcast tonight. going to be on Wings 94.3 and uh, wingsfm.com. Uh, pre-games at 6.30, kickoff at 7, as uh, Auburn High returns to the duck to play Dothan. Appreciate it, Scott. Hope you have a good call tonight, my man. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. That was Scott Bagwell, Auburn High Sports Network play-by-play announcer. As once again, Auburn High taking on the Dothan Wolves on Wings 94.3 pregame at 6.30, kickoff at 7. We wrap up the Friday edition of On the Line with more college football picks when we come back. Stay tuned. On the line on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM and ESPN 106.7. 
Wrapping up the Friday edition of On the Line. Big thank you to all of our inter- interviews today. Buster Daniel of Lee Scott Football. Eric Speakman, Opelika Football Head Coach. And then just now, Scott Bagwell, Auburn High School play-by-play announcer for having joined us today. If you missed any of today's show, go and find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Of course, I can thank you personally sitting in front of me, Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com, as always, for our Friday edition of the show. But you just let me know you're going to be at Penn State next week. I will, yeah. I won't be here. Hopefully do a little phone interview, though. Get to check out Happy Valley a little bit. So I am Send pictures. Send a postcard. Send, a postcard. I, I want to know what it looks like up there, man. I, I uh, There's no way that I could have gotten away up there. High school football on Friday night, no way that I could have gotten away up there. Yeah. But uh, that's a that's probably a bucket list location type of thing. If you were putting together a bucket list of college football places, you would say Happy Valley for a Penn State football game. And then Sting would tell us that we need to go to a Brawl of the Wild Football yes. rivalry game between Montana State and Montana, which you have been to one of those. You absolutely have to go to one of those, but bring your jacket. It'll be chilly. Uh, I'm just going to go tell you, State Ready of Alabama people, you need a lot more than a jacket. We think it's <laughs> cold when it's 40 degrees. You guys know what it's like to probably be in the negative teens. So <laughs> Yeah, I've experienced some negative 30s before. So. What? Well, Is, I, do, do, do you like – you freeze automatically, right, when you go outside, right? I mean, it's a situation where you can't be outside for more than, like, two minutes really i mean you gotta be you gotta be quick when you're outside because it is unhealthy to be outside what happens like do you like immediately when you step outside do you feel the effects yeah you definitely feel it it's like (laughs) no i mean i mean you know what i mean like i mean like automatic frostbite you know (laughs) not not like automatic frostbite but you you better be quick when you're outside i feel like that's like the day after tomorrow people stepped outside and froze (laughs) you know that's what i I mean that man i mean come on that's what that's what sting and i were saying uh during the break is like man we are me personally i may not be like acclimated to environments like that but I love cold weather. That's and my I, weather. Yeah, I'd, yeah. Lo- I'd love to go and see that in person, regardless of how cold it is. Let's wrap up Saturday selections right here on On the Line. Saturday selections. All right, reminding everybody of the standings: Lance fifteen and four, Sting fifteen and four, I am fourteen and five. We've already picked a nice chunk of all games. Now we're down to the final stretch. First SEC game of the season: Missouri at Kentucky, six thirty p.m. SEC Network. When you look up and down this Kentucky roster compared to Missouri, I think if you go by position group, you will find yourself taking Kentucky in a lot of different matchups. I think Kentucky's going to win this one, and I think they win it by a couple of scores. I think they're going to go out there, and Will Levis is going to do some incredible things against that Missouri secondary that gave up a 295 yards passing to Central Michigan last week. Yeah, I really like Eli Drinkwitz at Missouri a lot. I think he's going to be successful there. but Pick it. I like Mark Stoops more. I like. I, I think the job that Stoops has done at Kentucky is really impressive. I think he has his program right now in a better spot than Drinkwitz has his at Missouri. And I think they've got a better quarterback right now. So I, I think Kentucky's going to win. I hope there are some banana peels for Will Levis to eat on the sideline during the game. I'm going to go with the Cats. I agree with the pick. I don't agree with the better quarterback, though. I like Connor Bazelak a lot. But watching last week, that Central Michigan-Mizzou game, Left me concerned about Mizzou. Mizzou this, was one of eleven on third down against Central oh, no, Michigan. I was saying Levis, I think Levis is better than than Basilak. Yeah, I, well, yeah, I think yeah, Basilak is better. Yeah, <laughs> bam. <I was> <laughs> Christian Clemente looks you dead in your eyes and said, <laughs> but, "Connor Basilak is better." Yeah, I know what you but said. But we were just saying that he struggled a lot. So yeah, people can struggle and still be good. We saw Jared Stidham struggle against folks, and I think Jared Stidham was still a top six, top five quarterback in the league yeah. at the time. The wording confused me. That's all. <laughs> 
if it was a home game, I would be inclined to pick Mizzou, but I'm going to go with Kentucky. But I think it's really close, like Kentucky by a field goal for me. I, I'm with Lance. My, my like meter on this one has further moved away from the center after week one. Will Levis, that shocked me. I did not think that he was going to be dropping dimes like that. I, I, and you can look around the league, and you see quarterbacks struggled against bad teams. Bazelak, as we already mentioned, Haynes King. There are quarterbacks that did not play great. K.J. Jefferson, some of these middle-of-the-pack teams, and that was not Will Levis. I know it was ULM, but there's a common denominator there. They were all playing bad teams. Will well, Levis hit the ground running. Well, if Connor Bazelak doesn't play well, it's like, well, you, maybe you can turn to the ground game and Tyler Beatty, who had over 200 yards rushing against Central Michigan, but also, you look at Kentucky's defensive line, they were giving up what I think it was a total 45 yards rushing and one yard per carry against ULM. So it's like. Also, you want to talk about ground games? Let's talk about Kentucky's ground Let's game. Let's talk about Chris Kentucky Rodriguez. For a and then Central Michigan ran for 174 yards. So, like, it, it, defensively, Missouri did not look great. Now, Blaze Aldridge looked good, but I really don't like the way that Missouri matches up against Kentucky, especially on the road. This game is particularly tricky for me. Washington at Michigan, 7 p.m. ABC. Look, after seeing what Washington did against Montana, I have a hard time picking them on the road in such a hostile road environment such as Michigan's. That's that's bottom line. I just I can't see Washington going in there. And I know it's Jim Harbaugh. i just not in that environment after seeing what they did in week one. Seeing what they did in week one, seeing Mr. Brightside in unison? No, I'm saying uh, what Washington did in week one. Definitely gets some points for me. (laughs) (laughs) That also extra points to Michigan for for that really cool uh, video that was put out. Yeah, that was awesome. I'm just messing with you, Lance. I really don't like this game. It's making me nervous. I don't feel good about it, but I am going to pick Michigan for really all the reasons you said. I I just don't think that Washington can go on the road after losing at home to Montana and beat Michigan in the big house. Yeah. Uh, who said they had to beat Michigan? Michigan will do it for them. <laughs> Christian? Uh, no, I'm going Michigan, and I think they went by 17-20. to 20. Um, Washington left me with a lot of concerns after week one, namely because they couldn't beat Montana, who can't beat Montana State. So that's a problem for me. I'll go, by, go with Michigan by a lot. I'm going Michigan. I don't feel great because I remember a certain Washington State team that went to a bowl game several years ago that lost to Eastern Washington to open up the season now part of that may be because the red field and you cannot stare at that too long similar to you can't be outside and negative 30 degree temperature in montana for too long can't stay you can't stare at that red field for too long or else you might start seeing green in your vision everywhere else but you know i i think michigan at home is probably a better bet than this washington team on the road i like what you guys said about the hostile environment i don't feel great though michigan playing without their top wide receiver ronnie bell this thing's going to be one on the ground, though. And Michigan put up like 295 yards on the ground last week. So I'll take the big house, Michigan. Let's go to the Holy War. Number 21, Utah, BYU, 9.15 p.m., ESPN. I wasn't incredibly impressed with Utah's week one performance, but I think they're going to go on the road and get it done against a BYU team that does not have Zach Wilson anymore and lost some production from last year's really good team. And barely beat one of the worst teams in all of the FBS, Arizona. It was not an impressive performance. I think yeah. I think that Utah's going to get it done on the road. Yeah, all Utah does right now is beat BYU. I think I think they win what? again. Yeah, they, they go to conference championships. They don't win them, but they go. <laughs> no, I'm saying they play BYU. They beat BYU. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought you were saying that was all that and was on been, a Utah resume. It's been like that for a while. And, yeah, BYU doesn't have Zach Wilson anymore. If Wilson was still in the blue and white, then I might be inclined to take BYU, but I'm not. Yeah, now that Zach Wilson is gone, I couldn't really begin to tell you anybody that's on BYU. And uh, I'm not overly thrilled with Utah after their week one performance, but I'll go with Utah to be BYU. 
I think the BYU head coach is Kalani Satake. I am right. Ha! He was my defensive coordinator uh, on an NCAA football dynasty. He was not very good. I'm going to go Utah. <laughs> and for that reason, <laughs> that is Hard not the reason. analysis on, on the line. I think he's a pretty good head coach. He obviously had Zach Wilson and, and did some great things last year. But I like this Utah team a lot. I know they struggled a little bit with Weber State. May have just been game one. I still think with Utah and, and the whole landscape of the Pac-12, the South is really fun. Utah, USC, UCLA, Arizona State, that's a blast. The other side, ugh. Let's keep staying on the south side of the Pac-12. We've got about a minute left for these picks. Stanford at number 14, USC, 9.30 p.m. Fox. I don't I don't trust USC, but, man, I don't think this game's going to be close after the way that Stanford played against Kansas State. Yeah, I'm going to take USC to win this one. I don't think I don't think that either of these teams are particularly impressive. I'm not very, like, incredibly high on USC, but, yeah, I'm going to take Southern Cal to take this one. I feel like we're just all agreeing with everybody's picks. I mean, I, I agree with all of that. Stanford looked terrible against Kansas State. USC didn't look great against San Jose State, but they ended up finding a way to, you know, score a bunch of points. So, yeah, I think they do that to Stanford. Yeah, you can definitely give me USC. I picked, uh, in our rivals' picks, I picked Stanford last week, and, wow, that was really annoying to watch. So, not picking Stanford <laughs> again anytime soon. Amari Porter, a former Auburn High School player playing at Stanford. You can root for that guy and still say USC is going to win. <laughs> USC is going to win this ball game. Keaton Slovis, it's all about quarterback play. One team scored 24 points, or one team got beat 24 to 7 last week. One team scored 30 points. So I like USC to win this game as well. That's it for another edition of On the Line. We ride out of here on our college football picks. Hope everybody has a great weekend. Enjoy listening to the drive following us here from 4 to 6 p.m. Enjoy your high school football. We'll see you on Monday, same time, same place. You know where to find us. 